tell you, I don't care what they call me. They can call me a Marxist, a Jesuit, a flat earther, a Trotskyite, a vegetarian. I don't care what I'm called. Because I know why they call us names. It's because they dare not face moderate podcast a podcast about international politics and world federalism from a leftist perspective i am one of your hosts brandon farrell and today i'm joined by alex in germany hello and miguel in spain hi and today we'll be talking generally about the political landscape of spain as we head towards upcoming elections uh, in february in catalonia and one of the particular questions at the forefront of this politics the issue of catalan independence and so we'll be talking about all that fun stuff starting off there's a news article that has really has me pretty pissed off um so for those non-americans oklahoma is a fairly conservative state like very conservative it hasn't uh well when it was founded it had like a strong socialist undercurrent our first flag was a red flag you know all that we had an attempted revolution here all rat uh that quickly died out and it was replaced with the klu klux klan um (laughs) yeah it swung to the right very hard um and so we've always had a lot of kooks represent us in congress uh chiefly uh a guy his name's jim inhofe he's been in the uh the congress since 87 and in the senate since 1994 and that was when the party switch occurred in oklahoma um the republicans became the conservative party blah 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 um and it was the end of the blue dog democrats uh so he's particularly kind of crazy uh he's a big uh climate change denier uh he's most well, his, uh, the book he wrote is The Greatest Hoax, uh, and he's most famous for bringing a snowball into the United States Senate and oh, saying this is proof yeah. that we don't have climate change. <laughs> so you may you may know him from that. Yeah, um, that's, then, that's the only thing I know about that guy. I know, who, <laughs> I, I know him, yeah. Yeah, he's regularly spoofed in uh, pop culture, but not ever named. Uh, I think Space Force had a pr- pretty clear dig at Jim, um, but he's kind of the old guard of the Oklahoma kooks in uh, the Congress. Uh, so the new guard is this guy out of the Oklahoma 2nd Congressional District. His name's Mark Wayne Mullen. Uh, he is one of the few indigenous uh, people in our Congress, and he's kind of taken up the charge when it comes to being a little out there. He's a former uh, MMA fighter. Does, he owns a plumbing company. He uh, also, as it turns out, owns property. And he's a moderately successful landlord in the city of Moore, Oklahoma, which is one of our many cities. And he's been caught violating our national moratorium on evictions due to the coronavirus. And so I just want to use this platform of mine to say Mark Wayne Mullen sucks ass. I really hate the guy. And landlords suck. That's it to the story. Uh, Nothing's going to happen to him. He's a sitting congressman. So just, you know, a little bit of class rage uh, for this news update. Dude, he is set for life. In Oklahoma. Oh my God. Oh, yes. What are you doing? We have, in Oklahoma, we have a Republican supermajority. 
in our state Congress, we uh, we managed to elect out of our state capital one Democrat in 2018. So our congressional delegation had one Democrat, four Republicans. She lost in 2020, <laughs> and so it's all Republicans again. Uh, so yeah, Oklahoma is like the most conservative state that's not talked about. You know, everyone thinks of super conservative states. They think Alabama and, you know, things like that. But everyone's sleeping on Oklahoma. We were right up there. Um, and so moving on to less provincial politics, uh, Miguel, we're going to talk about Spain. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, in Spanish politics, there's several parties, which I can't relate to. Um, so starting off with the national parties uh and particularly right now focusing on the political left and working ourselves to the political right um of the main parties uh would you say it's safe to uh say uh unidas podemos is the most left of the of the major parties not any fringe uh would you say like yeah. they represent the socialist left in spain yeah they are of the big parties uh they are definitely the most left uh mm -hmm. just a little clarification uh unidas podemos is actually like a coalition of many parties right. including the communist party of spain the like third international communist party of spain mm -hmm. even though they veered towards euro communism uh around the 70s so maybe right. they are not like your marxist leninist uh left but still yeah they are they are definitely the most left of the major group. The and major then it also groups. includes some like small regional parties as well, that coalition, right? Yeah, it includes uh, so the Communist Party and then Podemos, which was founded by like the Occupy Wall Street equivalent here in Spain, and then a bunch of small regional parties. Uh, in, yeah, yes, so a few of what them. Would, what would you say is like the main policy? uh issues for uh this coalition right uh well that's a very good question for which they don't seem to have a very straightforward answer uh so one of the big things that podemos advocated when they were founded was a uh, universal basic income uh but the uni but universal basic income is no longer on their policy platform Instead, they replaced it with what they called guaranteed minimum income, which is like a means-tested program that uh, essentially sets a minimum that nobody can fall below. So if the minimum is, say, a thousand euros and you're making 750, the government will give you the 250 difference, if that right. makes sense. So they basically pulled Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. We're going to give yeah, you 2,000. But actually, no, yeah. it's 1400 Yeah, pretty <laughs> oh, wait, much. It's, it's that thing. And now that Unidas Podemos is in government, uh, they actually made it happen. Uh, the guaranteed minimum income is a thing, and it's been a failure in its rollout, uh, mostly because it coincided with the pandemic, so you cannot really go to like any government office to get help to, to do it and many people are not receiving their money and it's not quite working so that's like their main uh th that was their main economic policy uh another thing that they are very big on is ending the monarchy uh, or at least having a referendum on whether to end the monarchy in spain which is a thing that no other major party supports 
uh, <laughs> we'll probably discuss when we get to the Socialist Party, but they have a very ambiguous position. Uh, right. They are not. They they try to play uh, both sides of the game. Like, yeah, we mm -hmm. are Republicans, but we respect in a similar them, way. But in a similar way, yeah. the Labour Party in the UK relates to the monarchy in that some of its members are Republicans, and then the rest are like, you know what? Maybe a constitutional monarchy isn't extremely dated and shouldn't be abolished immediately. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, so, Unidas Podemos, on the contrary, is pretty uh, straightforward on that. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a referendum pretty clear that they advocate for a republic. Uh, Speaking and then, of... Yeah? No, continue, if you have more. No, I was just going to say that uh, we'll get to their position on Catalonia, which isn't super clear once we discuss Catalan politics. Okay. Um... So speaking of the Socialist Party or the Spanish Socialist Workers Party, uh, I'm yeah. not even going to try saying that in Spanish. Um, it's a so right. yeah, <laughs> they uh, they're the uh, major partner in the governing coalition at the moment, and as you've alluded to, they're much more moderate or center left as compared to Podemos. Uh, what what's your take? on the Socialist Party in general, and what what's their main issue? Yeah, so the Socialist Party is the main party in Congress and the largest party in government. Their leader mm -hmm. is the Prime Minister of Spain, so they are, yeah, they are the main political party right now. They are calling in first for whenever the next election comes. They are, as you said, more moderate. They are with your your regular uh, Social, Democrat par Social Democratic parties in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, they also don't have a super clear policy platform. Uh, lately, they have been sort of talking a lot about climate change, which is a good thing to at least talk mm -hmm. about it. Uh, and one of their sort of star ministers in the government is the Minister for Energetic Transition. Uh, but even then, it's not quite clear. They talk, they they use the words Green New Deal in English, which I think is kind of funny, uh, <laughs> but they haven't put out like a really a, a policy platform that really makes it clear this is what we want to do on climate. They just talk a lot about like the the ne the necessity of change mm. uh, without, but like, but you're in government, you're in government, so yeah. you can actually bring <laughs> the change. So so do it. Right. Uh, they uh, are. Uh, sort of, as, as we mentioned, they like they said they say they are republican in the sense of as opposed to a monarchy, but like they can work with the monarchy and like the monarchy is the result of a consensus, so they are not going to go against the consensus, whatnot. Uh, and they want some kind of federalism in Spain, so they want the central government to have less power and regional governments to have more power and that's their like antidote to Catalan secessionism. So in, they're currently in a uh, coalition government with the coalition around uh, Podemos so there's a lot of coalitions. Um, yeah. So what would you say the that relationship has been like? Do you think Podemos has meaningfully pulled uh, the socialist party to the left or has it been the opposite direction or is it just a mess? It's been rough. Uh, their their relationship hasn't hasn't been great. 
uh, famously before the election, uh, the Pedro Sánchez, the leader of the Socialist Party, said that he wouldn't be able to sleep if there were uh, ministers from Podemos in his government. And the day after the election, or two days after the election, uh, he and the leader of Podemos signed this agreement and like, like, like had this famous hug, and they were so friends and like uh, they they seem to be in total like synchrony with each other. Uh, but things have not gone so well ever since. Movement party being founded as one, mm -hmm. uh, like an activist party that they say they are going to do. So the Socialist Party has had a tradition of defending center-left or even leftist policies and then coming to power and not really doing them. But with Podemos to their left, for example, they had to raise the minimum wage. Uh, and the, the Minister for Labour is a member of the Communist Party, which I think is kind of relevant. Right. Uh, so, which is also the only yeah. right when it comes to who should become the Minister of Labour, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, I have a I complicated relationship. They're with official mm -hmm. communist parties uh, i think they're a mixed bag in general i think the japanese one is yeah. probably the only based uh but yeah i think your point stands and then they of course have a very bad history in spain <laughs> with the civil war so you know maybe they shouldn't be yeah i uh yeah that's super interesting uh, mm. uh I, i'm processing the like, thoughts do you have anything else yeah on? no just basically that when you say that the a, a, a communist should be the minister of labor. I don't think that the right wing of the socialists agree, <laughs> because there have been a lot of like government infighting and like cabinet uh, meetings are secret. Famously, what, what whatever they discuss, uh, they are not allowed to say uh, until they have reached a consensus. So they cannot say this minister said this or that minister said that. But there are a lot of like leaks to the press of who said what and who's in a fight with whom. And it seems that uh, like the more centrist socialists are not getting along well with the Podemos and communist ministers. This probably should be. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as we drift off from the least marginally okay parties to the uh, <laughs> parties, um, would you say the uh, people, so, I couldn't really scope this out for reading. In your opinion, which uh, party between like People's Party and the uh, Citizens uh, in English, uh, which would you say is the further right or which is... So that's a very good question. Um, I would say that, so the People's Party is the more traditional conservative party here in hmm. Spain. Uh, Whereas Citizens was founded in Catalonia actually to oppose Catalan independence and then sort of took the leap and became a national party. Hmm. And at first, I think that Citizens was probably the more uh, centrist of both parties and the People's Party was the more right-wing one. Uh, citizens, the Citizens Party has had a very strange trajectory and when Vox appeared, all uh, all of the right-wing parties sort of veered to the right to fight Vox. And now Citizens is trying to to come, in, to come back to the center. Uh, they had a very bad last election and so their leader resigned. And ever since they are like, yeah, trying to come back. But 
they are having a very hard time because they, the main issue that Spanish politics has been fought over in the past few years, besides the pandemic, which obviously has changed things, was Catalan independence. And traditionally, right. if you opposed all sorts of Catalan independence or referendum or anything like that, you were on the right. And if you at least supported maybe a referendum but not independence or some kind of federal model, you were on the left. So Citizens was very clearly with the anti-Catalan independence side. Uh, and they were uh, like, they are a, a small government mm -hmm. uh, free market party. But at the same time, not that long ago, they tried to form a coalition government with the socialists. Uh, so they aren't, they didn't used to be that much to the right, but they are also trying to kind of play both games, trying to become a major party of the right and mm -hmm. a major party of the center and somehow make that work, which so far it hasn't that well for them. Um, so this is a question. It'd be interesting to see what kind of what some of the other parties, what would you say is like the base of, for, uh, say the people's parties, the cat, like members of the Catholic church, rural people, uh, like, like what segments so of society for, most likely, uh, for, so for the people's party, I would probably appoint people in rural areas. Famously, like mm -hmm. Spain's electoral system favors people in rural areas over people in cities. Uh, so people in rural areas definitely uh, are more supportive of the People's Party. They are in general more supportive of traditional parties, both the People's Party and the Socialist Party, and they were mm -hmm. less likely to change over to Podemos or to the Citizens Party. Uh, also the rich have favored the People's Party traditionally, which shouldn't surprise us that much because they are also a small government, low taxes party. Right. Uh, and then like, uh, yeah, members of the Catholic People's Party uh, tries to brand itself as like a Christian Democratic Party, uh, even mm -hmm. though they are not that, like, I'm sure many of them are Christian, but they don't really make that a core part of their policy. Uh, they did try at one point veer really hard on like abortion restriction uh, to try to please uh, the, the Catholic vote and mm -hmm. the minister who proposed that ended up having to resign uh, because the more sort of liberal part of the party was not happy with his mm -hmm. his proposal. So they, they are like a major catch-all party so they, they get votes from everyone mm -hmm. uh, because yeah, obviously uh, things are not as monolithic as rich people vote one thing and poor people vote another thing, although maybe they should sure. be. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely like the, the rich uh, people in rural areas and the Catholic Church are like three major pillars of the People's Party. Uh, and so just a quick dip back to Podemos and uh, Socialist Party. Uh, in contrast, I'd assume more focused on urban areas uh, secular voters, uh, hopefully more working class or at least activist types generally? Yeah, so I would say that the Socialist Party has kept a very big appeal with like working class people, especially in urban areas, but also in rural areas. As I mentioned before, like they, they have a solid base of support also in rural Spain, whereas Podemos uh, has really gone after the like young vote, the uh, like Occupy vote, the vote for people who 
are just who just don't have a way into the labor market, for example. So it's hard, like it's hard for them to identify as working class because they can't find work. Uh, so yeah, I think definitely the like young old thing is very important in that in the division between both of them. But yeah, they both appear uh, appeal to more secular voters definitely, and in general to more urban voters. Right, uh, in fact, uh, in fact, when when Podemos appeared, they uh, ver- there were quickly like local elections in the entire country, and Podemos supported candidates who won in like Madrid and Barcelona and other major cities. So for a few years, not anymore, but for a few years, they became like the cities of change they were called. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, in rural Spain, they didn't really have any support and I think that really hurt them because again as I said before the electoral system sort of favors rural areas Uh, so moving on to in my opinion the most odious party (laughs) in Spanish politics of course the only one without an actually Spanish name Vox uh... (laughs) that's right Uh, Uh, actually Spanish people don't distinguish between B and V so it's ah. you pronounce it Vox Box. Like 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 boxing, more uh-huh. like that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fine both ways. Mad uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Okay, so box. So mm-hmm. okay, so could you just explain bo- box uh, to our listeners uh, in yeah. the best okay. way you know how? <laughs> so box was uh, formed as a splinter from the People's Party by people mm-hmm. who thought that the People's Party wasn't right-wing enough. Uh, there was always this like hidden right-wing inside the People's Party that didn't necessarily hold a lot of power, but there were quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. So Vox splintered, I actually don't have the, the year right in front of me, but maybe it was about a decade ago, I would say. Okay. Uh, and at first, they were a very small political party who said that the European Union was bad because it attacked like the national sovereignty of the Spanish people, and who said that immigration was this awful thing. Like they didn't go as far as to say like white genocide, but they were on that <laughs> line. Uh, they actually opposed like uh, the Spanish Spain's uh, devolution system. So Spain is neither like a unitary state nor a federal state. It's kind of somewhere in between. And Vox sort of said that uh, this the, that devolution uh, was like a source of corruption and like it attacked like the Spanish nation, which was one and indivisible. So Vox mm. was born as a, like again as a ma- as a minor party and really like they were made fun of because nobody supported Vox and they were just a tiny thing that had these completely wild ideas. But then things started changing and I don't think it's completely unreasonable to say, and maybe this is going to link with the next topic that we are going to discuss, that the rise in Catalan secessionism, the rise of the pro-independence movement, also caused a reaction that led in part to the rise of Vox, that the attack on like Spanish unity was uh, for many people a like something that they could not stand and so they had to support this party that was really radical in its pro-Spanish position. Uh, so suddenly Vox started gaining ground. And at first they 
they became powerful in Andalusia, which is one of the regions of Spain, and they became like a, 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 like a not exactly a government party, but like supporting the government from the outside. The government, mm -hmm. of course, of the People's Party. Right. And Andalusia had been a traditional uh, powerhouse for the socialists. So mm. the right winning there with the support of Vox was was really a thing that shocked many people. And from there, uh, the party kept growing and growing, and now they are the third largest party, both in polls and uh, ever since the last election, they seem to have gone down just a tiny bit, and maybe they are tied with Podemos for third, but mm. they are there. They still keep their very strong, like, anti-immigration message. They have toned it down on the European Union part. They are they are kind of unclear about it. They call Joe Biden a socialist. They they say that like Donald Trump was great and whatnot. In fact, their slogan for a while was "Make Spain Great Again." So oh, they yeah. are really they yeah yeah they are really taking their Mika. cues from. So so what do they want to enslave half of America again? <laughs> oh boy, that's like that's Central America me. first because yeah. there's still gold maybe. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, no I'm, I'm just, just joking. Oh, well, I'm just like, oh man, for me, that's even scarier than make America great again. Yeah, they're I'm just like, like oh boy, what are you going to go do in North Africa? Oh man. Uh, yeah, uh, when when once in an interview, the leader of Box was asked who his political like ideal was, and he named like the Spanish king and queen from the 15th century, who like. <laughs> kicked out the, the the Muslims from Spain and who sponsored Columbus's trip. Ferdinand so, and Isabella? Yeah, Ferdinand and yeah. Isabella. Uh, the so only king thing. and queen in Spain that we ever learn about in America. <laughs> yeah, probably. Actually, there's a lot of interesting ones, but that's a whole other mm -hmm. thing. And the, mo mo most of them are not nearly as relevant as Ferdinand and no. Isabella. So, yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's so, interesting because, so that's like, the, the first... Uh, Spanish like fascist or phalangist or whatever you want to call them uh, pointed to you know Ferdinand and Isabella as you know we don't need Italian fashion we have our own totalitarian tradition of our own and they said that in a positive light and so it's uh, yeah to see that mirrored just like not even a like full century later is terrifying yeah in fact the the symbol of phalange of the fashion is the symbol of from, from Ferdinand and Isabella. Uh, and when nerds, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and not that long ago, the leader of Vox said in Congress that the current Spanish government was the worst government in 80 years, which includes oh. the entirety of Franco's dictatorship, which even angered people in the right, like. Even they said, no, you cannot say that. You cannot say that a democratically elected government is worse than a dictatorial government, even if you don't like the right. democratically elected government. Of course, they will say that this is actually a dictatorship, and they, they, they talk a lot about the dictatorship of political correctness and about the social communist government. So, yeah, they got a whole thing going on. And this to me sounds like they too much Ben Shapiro content. Oh, you know, sometimes yeah. I, I watch Ben Shapiro and I read right-wing media, you know, just to feel strong. You know, I just <laughs> yeah. wish we were as strong as they thought we were. 
Uh, that's my, I get most of my kicks uh, from Alex <laughs> Jones complaining about the globalists, and I'm like, if only. <laughs> um, <laughs> but before we move on to Catalonia in particular, before we play, pay homage to Catalonia, uh, <laughs> Alex, do you have any questions pertaining to the more national situation? We move um, yeah, I'm, I've got a few questions on the European context of Spain, but first let me say two things. Uh, when you were talking about the Socialist Party, you were uh, saying that it's hard to identify as working class if you can't find work, and you're completely correct on that one. Uh, the, the main thing I see here is uh, the role Germany and France play in the European Union. Like uh, the European European Union's got a uh, economic model as everyone else has, and this economic model has the main target of price stability. So there shouldn't be fluctuations in price or hikes at uh, lows and stuff. And with this policy of uh, keeping prices at a at the same level, um, there comes yeah. If prices have to stay the same, something else has to change. And um, in the European economic model, that's unemployment. And for the Spanish national uh, unemployment rate, there should be an unemployment rate around 15 to 20 percent. And that leads me exactly to my questions because uh, if Europe and USA are the imperial core to uh, to the world. Uh, Spain, uh, Germany, and France are clearly imp the imperial core to uh, the Euro European Union. And yeah, how how does uh, do Spanish ordinary people relate to Germany and even the European? And uh, what's the line of um, of the parties you mentioned when it comes to how to relate to the Union? So I think there has been a softening of relationships between Germany and Spain, at least of perception of Germany from Spain. It used to be really bad when the recession hit and Spain had to carry out these quote-unquote structural reforms that were mm -hmm. imposed by the European Union and were mostly seen as imposed by Germany. So for example, Podemos was like, for Podemos, in, uh, when when it when it appeared, one of its big like adversaries was Angela Merkel. Like mm -hmm. she was seen as the one really calling the shots and like attacking Spanish democracy because she was actually making the decision. But haven't you but, heard Southern Europeans are lazy? Have, yeah, have, yeah. Did I they have, consider I that? Have heard, yeah. I have heard that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there was a lot of like resentment, but mm -hmm. as as things have improved somewhat. Uh, it seems like, and, and, and particularly as, as Spain has become sort of more pro-European, uh, this has also come with a change in attitude towards Germany, which is now seen as a country to emulate. Of course, one might say that, you know, the system in place doesn't allow for multiple Germanys to exist, because that's not how it works, uh, but, you know, but as long as people don't come to that conclusion, uh, Germany will be seen as the... Well, the last time Spain emulated Germany, it went real well, so... <laughs> yeah, um... yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh... <laughs> that was the last time uh, Germany actually really wanted to help Spaniards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, it's true. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, landed think, so much think... air power. I think the yeah. people of Guernica will, will think the same thing, yeah. Absolutely. 
uh, or you know, all the dead workers. Um, <laughs> so, do you have any other uh, particular questions in this section? Uh, yeah, just another statement about this uh, policy of minimal income you uh, mentioned, which Germany already has established, but it uh, ultimately uh, actually backfired uh, from my point of view at least. Because um, in Germany it's, it works like this, if your employer can't or doesn't want uh, to pay you an adequate amount of money, uh, you can get, uh, go to the Arbeitsamt, uh, the uh, institution which there, which is in place to um, care for unemployed people, like provide jobs and stuff. Um, and you can get money, so you you get as much money as someone who's unemployed. We've got an unemployment pay, uh, payment in Germany that's called Hartz IV, uh, which is works like you got a you get a, a place to live um, of adequate size, of course, um, you get around 387 euros, it's at the moment, per month, and everything else is paid for by the institutions like uh, uh, water, gas, and electricity, and even internet at the moment. And the problem here is that someone who's working should always have more than the, uh, than the unemployed. And now um, this particular particular constellation uh, works out in a way that uh, the people that are not paid enough money by their employer are hating on the unemployed because they get the same money uh, which is further dividing the poor class at least we can't uh, we can't uh, talk here in unison and about the working class because there are people working and not working but right. um, the, the problem that's overseen here is not that uh, the the unemployed are paid too much because everyone needs something to live on, um, but the the working people are not paid enough by the employer, and right. so we had uh, a, that's the problem here. But uh, you always get this framing in in the media for uh, most uh, most prominently in the conservative media, of course, uh, that we can't. Uh, have this uh, welfare uh, prosperity as it's called and, or as I would uh, translate it to English um, but it's not really prosperity like uh, those people get two euros and fifty cents per month to enjoy culture and culture is from my point of view at least an integral part to human life and uh, it's really not about prosperity but it's about poverty of the working class well we had a similar phenomenon as well our unemployment system sucks ass. You guys sound like commie bastards uh, <laughs> in comparison. But uh, part of the first COVID relief bill included uh, increased unemployment benefits uh, coming up to like, oh, I don't remember the number. I wasn't unemployed at the time. It was like $600 extra a week, um, which for a lot, like a lot of uh, working, like a lot of resentment, was stoked by the conservatives but it was really felt among working people um who you know s you know m a lot of whom make a minimum wage at seven dollars seven and a half dollars roughly an hour uh that uh, you know unemployed people m made dramatically more uh than a lot of working class people uh during the covid epidemic and very few places of business were offering you know hazard pay or anything like that um, most of the united states is not unionized and so there's no way to truly demand those things 
or at least in the popular imagination. Uh, the answer is socialism, but let's not go there. Uh, so we had this resentment, and the Republicans weaponized it to cut those benefits the second time around. That, sure, it's more than usual unemployment uh, benefits, but it was drastically uh, less. In the uh, So even for a temporary uh, measure like that, there's huge resentment uh, against unemployed workers and you know personally i try not to make the distinguish between an unemployed worker and an employed worker um you know unless you know engaging in like you know, parasitic like criminal behavior you know creating a, a lumpen proletariat or whatever in the marxist yeah, yeah. sense uh but I, I i i try to think of it as an unemployed worker unless someone's permanently out of the labor market um but yeah uh so has there been anything similar like like that kind of resentment in Spain or epidemic or before even? I think there hasn't been time for mm. things really to sit like for for people to appreciate the situation because obviously with the pandemic a lot of people are in what are called ERTES which mm. in which basically you stop working and the government pays 70% of your wage or up to 70% of your wage. Oh no. Oh, oh no, he left out. Ah, uh, you're back. Oh, okay. okay, I just... I'm sorry about that. Don't worry uh, about it. I don't know. That's uh, why we have the backup. Yeah. So you're saying, uh, roughly, that there's... Uh, just hasn't been enough time for those benefits to actually reach people and outside of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I Like, there ha there's not resentment, really, because the new situation hasn't kicked in yet. Mm. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so, moving on to the even more relevant discussion at the election. Uh, what's the date of the elections, uh, Miguel? Valentine's Day, February the 14th. You're romantic. romantics, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, some of Catalans as well, um, <laughs> to humor them. Uh, so, uh, it's been propping up continuously throughout our conversation, uh, but the Catalonian independence secessionist movement has been a major theme and just the national politics uh catalan is home to several uh regional parties representing the different uh perspectives on catalonian politics uh, could you just give a short summary of the different parties like where they fit the spectrum and then we can go into the business of what's with the governor yeah there are like two major parties that are uh, only Catalan parties. There are a few more, but really there are two mm -hmm. that are powerful, uh, which are Esquerra and Junts. So Esquerra, the, the name itself means left. So they are the, the Republican left of Catalonia. If you know a lot about the Second Republic in Spain, maybe you have heard about them, people out there, uh, because they were founded during the Second Republic, so they are like a pro-secession, pro-independence referendum movement, a party, and they hold generally like left-wing views, society, so they have supported this left-wing government or center left to left-wing government most of the time, uh, just because uh, they support their policies. Right. Uh, and the other major party is Junt, which means together, uh, and Junts is a very strange political party because it is like the refoundation of a refoundation of a refoundation of the traditional uh, nationalist conservative 
party of Catalonia. So, right. so it's a very strange party that is centered around a man who is in what he calls exile in Belgium. Uh, the Spanish justice calls it being a runaway. Uh, but you know, that's just a different in terms, I guess. Yeah, uh, so they are a, a yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. So they are a pro-independence party mm -hmm. and they have vowed to declare independence if the pro-independence parties get 50% or more of the vote in the election. So just for context, right now, the current government of Catalonia is made up of both Esquerra and Junts together. Okay. Uh, the governor, we, we, we can get into this now, the governor was sort of an independent but more aligned with Junts than with Esquerra. But he was kicked out uh, by a judge because during the last election he had refused to take off well, what the judge considered to be political signs from institutional buildings. Uh, so he was like incapacitated essentially by the judge saying you can no, no longer hold office, <laughs> uh, which is a, a penalty according to Spanish electoral law. Wow. Uh, it's a thing that exists. That's insane. Uh, so the governor was kicked out uh, and the deputy governor, who is from Esquerra, is technically the governor, but he pretends he is not. So, for example, when there is a meeting, like a cabinet meeting, he doesn't sit in the governor's chair. He sits in his old chair uh, because he's not the governor. He's totally not the governor now. He's the I, deputy governor still. I actually kind of respect it. Like, <laughs> that. that's, I mean... I wish it wasn't a unity between a left and a right party, but you know, that's that's cute in its own way. You know, he's just simping for the governor. Uh, so... <laughs> I mean, uh, the governor was famous for, uh, he was a um, uh, writer before being the governor, and he had written some really awful things in like newspapers, some really awful articles, uh, calling like Spaniards animals and whatnot. So I don't have that much of a I, I don't like him that much sure uh, um, what well, I'm always baffled by is why symbolism is always so overhyped like it's it seems to me uh, kind of the same with Joe Biden and his new office chair that's uh, circulating in media uh, right now like Trump had this super pompous uh, extravagant chair and now Biden has this kind of other chair which is not that uh, bad as Trump's was and yeah, it doesn't matter it's just uh, neoliberalism one way or another so uh, what difference does a chair make? Well as someone just instinctually sort of sympathetic to the Catalonian cause uh, you know it's a it's an interesting thing because just the way it's laid out there even though you know legally it may be valid seems like a ridiculous reason to unseat a democratically elected uh, representative of an area. Right. Uh, so it's even if, yeah, he broke the law, that's such a minor issue uh, that it, I think it just seems to be more, oh, you support independence than anything. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird situation. Uh, from what I've read and stuff, you know, as with most national liberation struggles, it's mostly supported by, you know, the middle and ruling classes, uh, primarily. But I, I do have a question for you, uh, Miguel. Like, how do the national parties fare in Catalonia? 
general? So it depends. Uh, so for example, the uh, in the last re regional election, citizens, the, the citizens party fared very well. Mm -hmm. They came in first. They are probably not going to do that well this time because the like uh, like the pro the anti-independence vote is going to be more. Sp right. uh, the socialist party has traditionally fared like middle of the pack. They have been there, but not really being very powerful. This time, it seems like the new governor may be from the Socialist Party, because yeah. their candidate, and I think this is very interesting, their candidate is the guy who, up until a couple of days ago, was the Minister for Healthcare. Now, in mm. the middle of a pandemic, the Minister of Healthcare is a lot on TV. So yeah. he's very well known, and he's generally sort of popular, even though Spain has fared very badly during the pandemic. Uh, so he left his position to become candidate for governor, which, of course, the other parties criticized a lot because, you know, I think you're not supposed to leave your post if you are the minister for healthcare during a pandemic. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Vox, this is a fair criticism. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think it totally is. Vox uh, traditionally hasn't existed in Catalonia. They don't have any re representation right now. But That's they are polling better than better than the People's Party for the next election, oh, so they may get a handful of of representatives. Mm -hmm. And then Podemos, with their really ambiguous stance, they are like anti-independence, but they are sort of pro-referendum. But they also like when there was a referendum, they didn't support it because the referendum wasn't legal and wasn't done right. quote unquote the right way. Uh, right, so it was just they... declared by the uh, regional government and not by, it wasn't sanctioned by the national government. And so exactly. the uh, anti-referendum uh, voters just boycotted uh, referendum in general, correct? Exactly, yeah, that's what happened. So they don't fare really well. They are also sort of middle of the pack, more or less. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, uh, Esquerra and Junts are poised to become either second and third or first and third or first and second it's going to be Esquerra, Junts and the Socialist Party up there right. so it remains to be seen who becomes the next governor like what sorts of alliances are made mm -hmm. uh, because it's very unclear right now what's going to happen so do you think if Junts uh, performs well that they would actually try to live up to their claim of seceding uh, uh, <laughs> and do you think he'll just end up with another crackdown <laughs> Again. I don't know. The guy who is in self-described exile, uh, he declared independence after the referendum happened uh, three years ago. He right. declared independence and like 17 seconds later he said, but I'm going to suspend independence for now. And then he fled the country. So I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen uh, because we have this like ridiculous precedent from what happened three years ago. Uh, I think they seem to be they seem to be ready to to proclaim independence i don't know how serious they are about it or if they are going to proclaim it and then suspend it they are actually not calling it proclaiming it they are calling it like unsuspending independence because oh independence has been proclaimed like for three and a half years now yeah so for me it's just like obviously i i'm national referendums i think is the way to go and i hope this doesn't turn into you know the Basque country in like the 60s yeah. and 70s. Uh, for me, that's the nightmare situation is uh, the, the government 
cracks down on it, that kind of movement, and it does turn into a more militant uh, and terroristic campaign for national liberation. Um, and with that, we'll end this episode of the Most Moderate Podcast. I was one of your co-hosts, Brandon Farrell, and you can follow this podcast at Most Moderate on Twitter. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you can. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.